the scroll and the lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. What difference does it make to be a Christian? Last Sunday night, as you know, my mother had a stroke. She's making good progress. When my father telephoned and we realised we'd have to drive to Wales, we realised that at times of great anxiety like that, it makes all the difference in the world to be a Christian. Because even if my mother had not survived, she would have gone straight to be with the Lord in heaven. And for us, as we drove to Wales, we had the peace of God that passes all understanding. The same is true on a global scale. There are terrible troubles across the world, Ukraine, and many other theatres of warfare. Financial insecurity, hunger, poverty, sickness, all kinds of human problems. And the great good news of the book of Revelation is that God is on the throne. That was the great message of chapter 4. God is on the throne there is someone who's in control. 
Jesus is the winner. That's a one-line summary of the book of Revelation. What is it saying to us? Jesus has won. Revelation is a series of visions given to the Apostle John in the late 90s AD. The Roman Emperor Domitian insists on being worshipped as Lord and God. And the Christians are facing persecution because they will only worship Jesus as Lord and God. John himself is imprisoned on the island of Patmos. He's utterly cut off from family, friends, comforts. What a help to know then. God is on the throne, chapter 4. And God has a plan in chapter 5. That's the great message of chapter 5. There is a plan. There is a saviour. There is a future. If we're trusting in Jesus, we are utterly secure. God has a plan for our world. God has a plan for us. There is a saviour for our world. We will be rescued by Jesus, the winner. And therefore, there is a future. Firstly then, there is a plan, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Books were rare luxuries in the Roman Empire of the first century. And here is one in the form of a scroll. And written on both sides of the scroll is God's plan for history. I wonder whether you believe that. <clears throat> the Italian writer and filmmaker Federico Fellini said, like many people, I have no religion at all. I'm just sitting in a small boat, drifting with the tide. Today we stand naked, defenseless, and more alone than at any other time in history. We're waiting for something, perhaps another miracle, perhaps the Martians, who knows? The atheist Bertrand Russell was even less optimistic. We stand on the shore of an ocean, crying into the night and the emptiness. Sometimes a voice answers that out of the darkness, but it is the voice of one drowning. And in a moment, the silence returns. I hope you don't feel bleak and hopeless because there is a scroll. God has a plan. However, verse 2, John sees a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, 
Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. What a disaster! There is a scroll, there is a plan, but it's sealed up with seven seals. In other words, it's completely sealed. Seven stands for perfection or completion in Revelation. And no one is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. John says, verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or even look inside it. John is distraught. History is the scene of terrible suffering. And the plan to put things right is sealed up and no one can gain access to it. Perhaps Fellini and Bertrand Russell are right. Life is utterly bleak. But secondly, there is a saviour. Verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion is Jesus. He comes from the Jewish tribe of Judah. He descends from King David. He has triumphed over sin and death and hell. In his death and resurrection, Jesus paid for our sin so that we need no longer fear sin, death, and hell. There is a Saviour who is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus has the authority to bring into action God's plan for the rescue of of our suffering world. And the description of Jesus is fascinating, verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Jesus is a lion, the lion of Judah. He is mighty and terrifying. He is also a lamb, a sacrificial lamb. He looks as though he's been slain. He still bears in his body the marks of crucifixion. This is our God. This is our Jesus. Mighty and glorious and yet he submitted himself to be executed on the cross. Do you see how he loves us? Slain for you.
slain for me. This is our great Lord Jesus. He stands, verse 6, at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders whom we met in chapter 4. Together, they represent the whole created order and the whole people of God, Old and New Testament. The Lamb had seven horns. These are symbols of power. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The seven spirits, or sevenfold spirit, is the Holy Spirit. Here we have the Holy Trinity. God the Father on the throne, holding the scroll. The Lord Jesus, the Lion and the Lamb, able to open the scroll. And the Holy Spirit, seven eyes, all seeing and sent into all the earth. Jesus said it was for his disciples good that he should go back to the Father, so that the Holy Spirit might be sent into all the earth. And that's what we see here. That's what we experience. John was on Patmos. We live in England. The same Holy Spirit is sent to Patmos, Patmos as is sent into Letchworth. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in believers and with believers, wherever they are. And the Holy Spirit is creating new believers, giving gifts of conviction of sin and repentance and faith in Jesus. Here, verse 7, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father on the throne. And when he takes it, verse 8, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all fall down before the Lamb. They represent us in their worship. And our prayers ascend to the throne. Is it worth coming out to the prayer gathering? Well, verse 8 each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. Our prayers are offered up before the throne of God. And they sang a new song saying maybe they were rappers because they speak their singing, verse 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language 
and people and nation. Christ is worthy. Christ alone is worthy. No one else can take the scroll of God's plan and open it. Notice he was slain and has purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. When Jesus goes to the cross, he's given a people from every people group. And he dies to save that people. They are given to him by the Father. He pays for them and they're saved. He makes them to be, verse 10, a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. So Jesus' death achieves a kingdom. Evangelism will not fail. There will be a kingdom of God. Satan can do nothing to prevent this. And this kingdom is made up of priests and kings. Priests to serve our God. Why are we here? Why are we saved? To serve our God. We're all priests. Did you know that? We all represent God to the world. We speak of God to the world. And then we represent the world back to God. We pray for the world as the priests whom God has ordained. And even more amazingly, we shall reign with Jesus on the earth. Jesus shall reign, and we will represent Jesus as his viceroys. What an amazing future to look forward to. So that's my third point. There is a future. We will reign and rule with Christ. We will serve him for all eternity. And the whole created order wants to sing about this. The four living creatures, the 24 elders, and now in verse 11, many angels, thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. Think of the singing at Twickenham or Murrayfield or Cardiff. Think of that and multiply it 10,000 times 10,000. But unlike in rugby matches, the choir knows what it's singing about. In Cardiff, they sing marvellous words with no understanding. This choir encircles the throne of God and encircles the living creatures and the elders. 
and in a loud voice they say, more rapping, verse 12, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. If you've never done so, and even if you have, it's well worth listening to Handel's setting of these words in Messiah. It's a fantastic moment when the choir blasts out, Worthy is the Lamb. And he is worthy. The choir just gets bigger and bigger. In addition to the millions of angels, verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. Every creature in heaven and on earth, the saved, the damned, all will praise King Jesus. You may think you have freedom to reject him. But one day you will stand with the great multitude and you will worship. Jesus will be seen in all his nail-marked glory. The four living creatures say Amen and the elders fall down and worship, every single creature will one day worship. We will do so with such joy. Words cannot do justice to the ecstasy we would experience on that day. The triumph, the wonder of it. But some will be there, crying out in worship, but knowing that they're damned, knowing that they're going to hell. They did not choose Christ while they may. They rejected him. And as they see him in his glory, they will know that what awaits them is the fearsome judgment of Jesus. Are you ready for that day? Every creature will worship. You will worship Jesus. But will you worship him as your king, as your husband, as your lover, as your friend? Or will you worship him in abject terror, knowing that you must face him as your judge? 
There is a plan. There is a saviour. There is a future. Do you need to trust that God has a plan? God has a plan for history. He holds the scroll in his right hand. God's plan will be accomplished. And either we are a part of his plan or we're in opposition to it. Which describes you? There is a saviour. There is one who is worthy to open the scroll. There is one who is anointed to bring into being God's plan for the earth. Is he your saviour? Do you love him? Are you thrilled with him? Can you sing with me this evening? Hallelujah. What a saviour. Do you know you'll be part of this glorious future? Or will you be there, but in terror? What keeps you from Christ? What keeps you from making him king and saviour? I'll leave you to think about that question.